once I got into debate and speech work in high school and college, the direction was clearly into public life. I was participating in student congresses and debate and speech, actually a state championship speaker. So I graduated 53 at Minot High, 57 at St. Olaf. I went on to Northwestern and then later earned a doctor's degree from the University of North Dakota. The story behind that was I was serving as lieutenant governor for eight years with Governor Art Link, one of North Dakota's great governors. And uh, one day when Art and I were together, he said, you know, Wayne, St. Olaf and Northwestern are really prestigious, but if I were you, I'd get a North Dakota degree as soon as you can. Fortunately, I had the GI Bill coming, and I used that to go to UND. I was the only lieutenant governor in the nation living in student housing, uh, which caused a lot of attention. I was interviewed by several Eastern newspapers. Uh, how can this be? The lieutenant governor pay, by the way, at that time in North Dakota was $2,000 a year. I could get food stamps if I'd applied. And your first elected office was the Constitutional Convention? No, I was actually 1965. That was the Johnson landslide when Johnson defeated Goldwater. And then it paid to be a Democrat because Johnson carried everywhere. So I was elected to the state house as a young teacher legislator served in the House for eight years and the Senate for two years. And then I went on to become the Lieutenant Governor with Art Link for eight years. Sixteen total elections when you add them up. Fifteen wins, I hasten to add. The loss surprised everybody, including most especially Art Link and I. Little thought that we could be defeated in a third-term election. But it was 1980, and that was a Reagan landslide in the nation, and Art and I were prominent Democrats. Went back to the state house for another term, and then went on to state superintendent of public construction. And I served there for seven four-year terms, 28 years, so I was the ranking chief state school officer in the United States. I also had 18 years of teaching time at Minot High, the teachers in the state, I think, had high regard for the fact that I was not only as a state superintendent telling them how to do it, I could do it, and they knew it. Tell me about your time as lieutenant governor. At that time, strictly a part-time office, as I indicated, the real role was president of the Senate. I tried to make it more of an ombudsman office to do inquiries on behalf of citizens about government agencies, and that helped a lot in terms of name recognition and I suspect my success at the ballot after that came from that work in ombudsmanship and representing people to their government uh, as a lieutenant governor. In fact, my dad always said one time, uh, did you win that election? I said, yes. He said, do you know why you won? I said, yeah, I was out there working at it hard, meeting the public. He said, no, you don't remember it, but Bill Langer, North Dakota's most renowned politician, came by and tickled your toes in the bassinet in the back of my store. That's why you won the election. Throughout your years in public office, how has running for election and holding public office changed? Oh, there's been a great change, and sad to say, I think it's not been for the better. Uh, clearly, in my early days, I think there was great rapport uh, between the elected officials uh, no matter what the party designation, kind of times we're in now where the attack mode seems to be the way you deal with your opponents instead of the civility that ought to be a part of public life. 
I was in every community at graduation time or Memorial Day or the 4th of July or parades galore or giving public address speeches. Citizens knew who you were and had a feeling for you. So I didn't have to spend a lot of money campaigning. It was a presence in their community at times that counted for the citizenry that I think led to the successful election record. I can say I think I've eaten at every small church in North Dakota going on the campaign trail when I was younger. So We traveled a lot, and it was, uh, it was every weekend, you know. When I retired, one of the reporters came up and said, what do you have on the bucket list? I said, well, this is going to surprise you. I want to get a cat. He said, a cat? I said, yeah. I said, you need to know I was on the road all the time. I could never take care of a pet. Our granddaughter read that comment in the paper and ran over to the pond and picked up Harry and brought him to a tuxedo cat, black and white. They, had, they looked like they have a tuxedo on. Harry's there every morning trying to read the paper. He's in my lap. He doesn't want me paying attention to the paper. Did you ever get to meet any, any presidents? Yeah, I take great pride in that. I actually was in the White House with President Nixon. Later, I had the privilege of riding in Air Force One I rode with President Jimmy Carter, met President Clinton down in Florida, and I have a photo of him and I shaking hands and talking about North Dakota. He was uh, very gracious. I did have a photo uh, taken in Grand Forks, North Dakota, of President Obama and my wife, Mary Jane. And then my most famous photo from Harry S. Truman. Truman was my favorite president. When I was uh, at St. Olaf, I became a Minnesota Citizenship Clearinghouse student. That meant you could go out and participate in the campaign. So in 52 and 56, I was a Stevenson volunteer for Adley Stevenson. We had a fundraiser in St. Paul. Uh, Stevenson was coming to speak and couldn't make it. They sent Harry Truman in. When we got there, they said, look, you folks that have been out on the campaign trail, you get to stand in line down here in this ante room, and you'll be able to go by and shake hands with Truman. I said, wow. I grabbed a piece of paper, wrote on there, Mr. President, always admired you. Stevenson volunteer, Wayne Sandstead, 1111 St. Olaf Avenue, Northfield, Minnesota. Would you please send autograph photograph? And as I'm walking up, I stick that in his coat pocket. You wouldn't do that today. You'd lose an arm, I think. Well, I didn't hear it till the next February. I opened the door, and the mailman's big-eyed as he's standing there with a franked envelope with Harry S. Truman on it, and I opened it up, and here's this beautiful official photograph of Harry Truman. It had lithographed over in the side his name, but he had taken a fountain pen and wrote, Kindest regards to Wayne G. Sandston, Independence, Harry S. Truman, the real signature is distinctly different from the one done by the lithograph. It's my proudest possession. How would you like the people of North Dakota to remember you as a state official? Well, I think as a one who gave his all to his public time and, and uh, to the fact that we made a difference in the lives of students for many, many years on end, Years from now, when your great-grandchildren or great-great-grandchildren listen to this, what piece of wisdom would you like to share with them that would help them in, to succeed in life? Yes, I'd like them to be uh, involved in public life. 
I think no matter what the position, whether it's on city councils or park boards or school boards, they ought to try to participate in community decision making. And that in that way, they support uh, quality of every type of involvement by citizens. And from that perspective, I believe that we all have that responsibility and I'd like to see them accept it. Our democracy could well be in jeopardy when citizens can't participate in or refuse to participate in the elective process and don't serve their state and nation or their local community in leadership roles. What are your hopes for the future? Well, I just hope that it's uh, possible for our democracy to continue to be representative of all sides and that debate will be recognized as the honorable thing to do and that the opportunity to move society in positive directions with a clear intent that it should represent all citizens, not just those with great wealth and influence.